Hello and welcome to a huge episode of The Cold Hard Truth. I'm here with my usual, original co-host, Tino, and then one of our new ones who is more in than ever, Connor Armstrong. We're very happy to be here. We're sadly missing Peyton, but we're excited about a bunch of new beginnings for this show. Tino, I'm not sure if you want to make any specific comments about that, but... Yeah, so guys, we have officially joined uh, Sideline Sports. Uh, they're a sports network. We're going to be live streaming Mondays at from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern every single Monday going live on the Sideline Sports YouTube channel. We're going to be posting a lot more content, going to be producing content through that network. So stay tuned for a lot more episodes consistently every single week. Again, 7 to 8 p.m. live streaming on Mondays. We're doing this episode pre-recorded. Let's jump into it. Jacob, the first thing I want to get into, I'm going to throw this to you. Vin Scully, one of the most, I guess, just famous, most well-known sports broadcasters of all time in sports history. He passed away a few days ago at the age of 94. I want to ask you, as a as a huge baseball fan, he was the voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers. What is one of the things you're going to remember most about Vin Scully? Well, I think kind of like, you know, with John Sterling, who hasn't missed a Yankee game in 30-something years, for Vin Scully, it was 50 six or yeah almost 60 years which is more than half of a lifetime so i would say that the thing to take away from him has to be consistency and dedication and i really think it's one of those things where you wouldn't see a guy like that in another sport it's only a baseball thing where somebody can love the sport so much to do it every single day like look you have guys on espn and whatnot for various sports but they're going to be on and off they're going to take breaks for to not take a break for two-thirds of a year every year for that long, you have to love baseball to an extent that's very specific to the game. And there's a reason people yeah. call it America's national pastime, and Vin Scully is just another one of those people that kind of speaks to that concept a lot. Yeah, Connor, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this on the way here. You know, we talk about who's the greatest, you know, like football player of all time, who's the greatest NBA player of all time, all this. Like, we have all these debates. There's no debate who the greatest or really like the greatest MLB broadcaster ever was. And it's Vince Scully, not even close. Um, you know, just him, like, like uh, Jacob said, being there for almost 60 years. And, you know, there's like so many um, iconic calls with him. And obviously as a Met fan, you know, the uh, Buckner call in 86, that was obviously really huge. One of the biggest moments in the franchise's history, but, you know, just him being able to tell a story. That's, that's something that, not a lot of broadcasters are able to do as well as Ben, and there's just going to be nobody ever like him ever again. And like you said, the storytelling and his ability to kind of make people that maybe weren't huge baseball fans, maybe didn't understand the sport that much, kind of almost like a John Madden feel in, in, in NFL. He was able to kind of bring everybody in. He made everybody feel included. He almost made you enjoy the sport and be able to understand the sport. Even if again, you weren't a huge baseball fan, if you weren't like an avid watcher of the sport, he still managed to bring you in with his storytelling, with his personality. I think honestly, Connor, you said, you know, the greatest baseball broadcaster of all time, in my opinion, honestly, he's probably one of the greatest sports broadcasters of all time for the mo for the multitude of reasons that we all brought up the longevity that he did it for the consistency and just the style that he brought to the game and the energy he brought in the booth every single time he went out there to call a game. We'll move on though. MLB trade deadline passed a few days ago. We honestly probably had 
I don't want to say the biggest trade in MLB history, but it was one of the biggest blockbuster trades we have ever seen in baseball. Juan Soto has been traded to the San Diego Padres. I want to get your reaction, Connor. Did you like the move by the Padres to get Juan Soto? Who won the trade, Nationals or Padres? Give me your thoughts on that move. Oh, obviously the Padres won the trade. I mean, they got a superstar in their prime at 23 (laughs) years old. He's already won a batting title. He's already won a World Series. And, you know, for him to team up with now Tatis, Machado, they just signed Musgrove to another extension. You Darvish is there. Blake Snell. uh, Josh Bell. Josh Josh uh, Hader. Josh Hader as well. Yeah, they traded for Josh Hader. Really, really amazing team on paper, and I expect them to go for The one thing that I will say there are way there are a lot of egos on this team now. Machado, star in the game, and Soto being the way he is, I don't know if that's necessarily going to blend. But you can't deny that they're one of the best teams in baseball right now. Jacob, what do you think? Well, I mean, it always kind of felt like with the Soto business, it's like who's going to give up that haul? And the Padres probably make the most sense out of anybody because they're in such a win now mode with the way their roster looks. They have a lot of guys on short-term deals that are there to win a World Series right now. So I think it made a lot of sense for them, despite how big of a move it was. It'll be interesting a year and a half from now to see whether he stays in San Diego long-term, because you obviously know he's going to get a $400 million contract from somebody. So it's just a matter of who he's going to want it to be with. I don't think it'll be them. I I think it's kind of like the type of deal where he's going to want to win a World Series in the next two seasons there. And then he might have another place in his mind, maybe a Mets or somewhere like that, that he could see as a long-term home. I don't know. Yeah. But <laughs> I think Connor would like that. We'll be honest. I think Connor would definitely want to see Soto. And, and I think it's a real possibility because I think it's one of those situations where there's teams like the Mets and like the Yankees, based on what happens with the Judd situation, that felt like it'd be more beneficial for them to wait. And that's how I felt about the Yankees. He's going to be a free agent in a year and a half, no matter what. So if you don't get him now, then you could be the one to grab him then based on how your roster looks. You know, you don't have to make a huge organization changing trade midseason, you know. So there's multiple ways to look at it. But, um, I mean, Padres are still going to have a tough time. I mean, they're they're. No, I was going to ask, no, yeah, like no. in, in terms of yeah. in terms of the NL, because you look at it, the Dodgers, I believe, are like 12, 12 and a half games still ahead of them in the division. You have the Mets and the Braves, who both yep. have better records than the Padres right now, and you could argue are on the same level, if not better, than the Padres. So the question I'm going to ask to you, Jacob, and you can continue: Where do you rank the Padres in terms of being able to get out of the NL? Because they have three teams right now. One, clearly better in the Dodgers, and two, that you could make a very, very strong argument that they are better than the Padres. Well, I think it's like the kind of way they've built their team is very similar to the Dodgers, but yeah. the Dodgers are just kind of the more experienced version of what they are. So mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of that, it'll be really tough for them to beat them. I mean, first off, there's no chance they win the division. Zero. Yeah, at this point, because no. the Dodgers would no have way. to literally like be horrible, and that will not happen. So I definitely wouldn't rank them above the Dodgers, and I do agree. I think it's like the next three, the two NL East teams and them, it's like right now they're like splitting hairs. I mean, I think like a lot of it's going to depend because we know they're going to hit now. It's going to depend a a lot on Sean Mania, Joe Musgrove, and Blake Snell. If those three guys can pitch well going into the playoffs, then they'll probably have a slight upper hand on those teams. But assuming that it's kind of like this with them, 
I still would favor the Mets and the Braves. Because you look at you, you look at the Mets, Connor. I'll let you go in a second. I'm talking about your team here, and Connor's actually at City Field right now, yeah. getting ready for Game One of the Braves Mets game today. But one of the things yes, I want to mention, you talk about pitching. I mean, the Mets again went healthy. Knock on wood. Degrom. You got Scherzer, and then you have, I mean, outside of Josh Hader, he might even be better than Hader this year as a closer. Edwin Diaz has been lights out this season. No doubt so, about it. Yeah, no I think this season, Josh Hader is still phenomenal, but I think this season Edwin Diaz has been the best closer in baseball. So you look at the Mets, their pitching is kind of already solidified. I'm, in my opinion, I'm being honest, if we're going to get into this conversation about the top teams in the NL, I know the Dodgers, it's the Dodgers, you know, nothing to say about them. The Mets are the one team right now I would not want to see as an NL team in the playoffs right now because the way they can hit the ball with, you know, you can talk about Lindor, Brandon Nimmo, his defense in center field, talk about Pete Alonso. Like this team, I think, is one of those teams that is built to make runs in the playoffs. And with the consistency of pitching they have, they could be really dangerous. Obviously, again, Connor, you're a Mets fan. Give me your thoughts on these four teams, how the NL kind of shakes out. What do you see going forward? Yeah, dude, listen, I mean – it's really as simple as this. If DeGrom and Max are healthy, I think that the Mets can beat anybody. You know, the deadline was a little underwhelming just considering where the Mets are at this point. But, I mean, they did upgrade over Dom Smith, bringing in Daniel Vogel back. They yeah. did upgrade over J.D. Davis, bringing in Darren Ruff. And they upgraded over Travis Jankowski, bringing in Tyler Naquin. And the greatest deadline addition of all, they didn't have to give up anything to get Jacob DeGrom back who we pitched the night of the deadline. So, yeah. you know, if – if Jake and Max stay healthy, the Mets can seriously beat anybody in uh, Major League Baseball as far as I'm concerned. Jacob, question for you as a Yankees fan. Both of us are Yankees guys. The Harrison Bader-Jordan Montgomery trade, what, did you, what were your thoughts on that? I was confused mainly because you felt as though Benintendi was the outfielder that they were acquiring yep. and that now they had kind of set their lineup. But at the same time, you can't be frustrated because now they have Montas coming in. So they needed one of those guys to go. So I guess their thought process was, what's the best available player we can get for Jordan Montgomery? Because he's not going to pitch anyway. Now, I think the thing more to be argued was whether Montgomery or Herman deserved the fifth spot. Because that was the question. That, yeah, that, that was that, I was going to ask you that, yeah. Right, so you have Cole, Nestor... Sevy when he's back, Tyone. So let's just count Sevy out. Tyone, Montas, that's four. Yeah. So then you, for now, you'd have Herman or Montgomery. They chose Herman. He was coming off two quality starts in a row against the Mets and then the Royals or Mariners. It was one of the uh, one two, of, yeah. One yeah, of those two because they played them back to back. And they were both two two runs or less. So they went with him. Ba- and so Bader's going to be out for the next month. By he, he will be, but he's a very good – he's good in center field, though. He's a great he, defender. He, he's a good player. So, basically, what I'm guessing is Aaron Hicks is done. And I mean, I'm, the way he's the, with the way he's been hitting, I wouldn't be surprised if he is because he hasn't been that productive. Right. So, basically – And Gallo's gone, too. So, we mentioned that. Thank God. Yeah. So, basically, the way they <laughs> they line up for a playoff game with Bader healthy would be Ben Intendi in left, Bader in center, yeah. Judge in right, and Stanton DHing. Which I wouldn't mind. I think it's a pretty good line. He's got to start hitting, by the way. Who? Ben Intendi's got to start hitting, by the way. Oh, yeah, he's, he's not hitting. Oh. He, no, he's been so far. He's been. Ter- he's only been there for you know about no, like five, six games. I hope it up. But, but he's been so good so far. 
He'll pick it up. I think I was going to ask you too, though, Jacob, and even Connor, you could jump in too about the athletics trade to get Frankie Montas. Did you like that move? Did you think it was, do you think it was one of the best moves they could have made in terms of trying to get a good pitcher in there for their starters? I, I honestly think it was absolutely perfect because they only, they only had to give up one of their top prospects, which was Waldachuk, who was like yeah. their fifth or sixth. Uh, Peraza wasn't touched, Dominguez wasn't touched, and Volpe wasn't touched. And you're getting a guy with a three, you know, a, a low three and, a, and an ace quality guy. And nobody's talking about that they got Lou Trevino in that trade, too. Who's they a really yeah. bullpen yeah. arm. So, and, 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 they, and they traded for Scott, Scott Efros from the Cubs as well. Yeah, yeah, yep. we didn't give up mm-hmm. anything in in almost any of these trades. So I think Cashman did a very good job, and I think he made the type of moves that you know they can't get worse. You know, yeah. it's like they're either going to stay the same or slightly improve with what they did, which is really what the goal of the deadline is when you're already thirty games over five hundred. You know, you don't have to make blockbuster deals. At least that's yeah. how I feel. Connor, what were your thoughts on the Yankees? Yeah, move? but you know. Yeah, just going back to the Montgomery trade, I didn't really understand it either. Um, I don't know if they – I heard rumors they had something set up with the Marlins for Pablo Lopez with, like, Aaron Hicks involved, which is why they were getting Bader in the first place. But yeah. since that deal didn't go through, it's just, like, confusing why he's not here to me. But, you know, with the other moves, Efros, I love it. Underrated uh, bullpen piece this year. Trevino's a guy who's closed games before. And with Clay Holmes struggling now, if, if yeah, Holmes really. needs a little break, from closing, then they can put Trevino back there. And uh, Montas, obviously, yeah, I mean, he's had uh, shoulder problems this year, but like uh, Jacob said, he's got ace quality stuff and uh, definitely should be slotted in between Garrett Cole and uh, Nestor Cortez for sure. I want to say one more thing too. I know we got rid of Gallo and I was happy about it, but can we just like all agree that now he's going to go to LA? Not agree, but just watch him go to LA and start batting like 230. Like just just because he's with the Dodgers, I I have a I have this strange feeling Gallo leaving New York and going to the Dodgers, he's all of a sudden going to start hitting the lights out of the ball. I I don't know if it's I don't, it probably won't happen. I'm just saying that with our luck getting rid of him, I feel like he's going to go to the Dodgers and just start playing really well. Moving on from that, though, the last team I want to get to before we go to uh, the uh, NFL, Houston Astros, Trey Mancini and Christian Vasquez both came into Houston during the deadline. I think the Astros had two of the most, like, not talked about underrated moves from what I was hearing. Because if you talk about this lineup now, Jacob, as a Yankees fan, and I think in you too, I'm scared of the Astros going into the playoffs. They're a team that, you know, pitching-wise, they're still incredible. Verlander pitches the lights out. Lance McCullers, he's not even really healthy yet, and when he's back, he's going to be unreal. Their pitching is phenomenal. Bullpen all across the board. They have great pitching. You look at the way they hit the ball. They don't really hit the ball that much. The way they score is off of home runs. They don't hit the ball that much. They have Bregman. They have Vasquez now. Michael Brantley hasn't been healthy. You're on Alvarez, of course, their power hitter. And you get Trey Mancini who yesterday hit a grand slam and a solo in the same game. He's hit like four home runs already in his first few games with the Astros. I'm scared of this team. Connor, what did you think of their moves at the the deadline? I thought that that was what the Mets were going to do because the Mets have been linked to Mancini for such a, like, um, just like extended amount of time. And also Vasquez as well, because the Mets have gotten nothing from catching, whether it's James McCann or Tomas Nito or someone from the minors. I thought that those were the guys that the Mets were going to get. Now if the Astros have them, that's, honestly pretty scary as well and if, if i'm a yankee fan i'm thinking that you know you're gonna have to outslug them in the playoffs because the astros pitching is just so unbelievable but um you know tina we were talking before the show yeah verlander 
Uh, Framber Valdez is having a great year. Uh, Christian yeah, he's, Javier. Yeah, he's pitching well. I didn't even mention and, him. Yeah, no, and I know that uh, Javier had a good start against the Yankees uh, earlier in the season. So, I mean, they're definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with come uh, postseason time. And I'm just looking at the two games coming out of the All-Star break that we played them in the, in the doubleheader in the first day back. We were winning in both of those games, and toward, and the Astros were not hitting. We had about two runs, or, you know, Yankees had two runs in both of those games. The Astros come out in, like, the bottom of the eighth, top of the eighth, and they get a few hits, get a, few, get a double, get a home run, and take the lead, and they close us out with their pitching. So they don't really hit consistently, but they get timely hits, get home runs when needed, and then they kind of close you out. Jacob, what are your thoughts on the Astros heading in closer to the AL playoffs? Yeah, I mean, they're really scary. No question about that. And, you know, this year has the potential with them where, you know, if they do face off in the AOCS, this will really start to look like a genuine team rivalry. I mean, this will be the type of thing where it's like five years, played each other like three, four times within those years in the playoffs. But it's only going to become that if the Yankees win. Because otherwise, it's just going to be known as though the Astros always beat the Yankees. Well, the, we they, they they've lost two the two playoff series in the last what four or five years? In the last four years, so yeah, last four years. It's going to be tough. Assuming that if that does happen, you know they play a bunch of games, a six seven game series, and yeah, the Yankees yeah. do find a way to win. This will go down as one of the the great you know rivalries between specific teams with the Altuve uh, Judge complex with the yeah. cheating with the ways that they've played some great regular season games. You had the Ken Giles, a bunch of games. So and just great, great moments throughout the series in general. Just big yeah, moments, so yeah. It's one of those things where I think both teams, you know, know in the back of their heads, if we do our jobs, we will see them, you know, down the road. So, you know, it's all about, embr- you got to embrace it at that point because you it's all, they, it's they also gonna, be scared like we are. That's our job to be scared. Yeah, that's, you know, as, they, as fans, we can we can have anxiety and freak out about it, not the players. It's also going to have an impact on what happens with Aaron Judge and the decision that he makes to leave or stay. That's going to be a big implication if we do end up playing them. But right. last thing, speaking of Judge, I want to get into all his numbers because he's been absolutely phenomenal this season. He's hit 43 home runs so far. He had the most home runs by a Yankee before August 1st, which I believe was 41 if I'm not mistaken. He's hit two more since then. But he had the most home runs by a Yankee in a season before August 1st. He has had the most multi-home run games by a Yankee in a single season with nine. He's tied Mickey Mantle's record for the most walk-off home runs by a Yankee in a single season. That's three. If he hits two more walk-off home runs, he will break the MLB record for the most walk-offs in a single season. Again, he's hit 43 home runs so far. I have to ask the question, is it basically kind of confirmed at this point with how well the Yankees have performed, 70 wins already, he's playing lights out, good defensively, he's, he's made countless good catches over the wall in right field. I know Shohei Otani is, is phenomenal, but is it time for Judge to finally, finally get his first AL MVP? Jacob, give me your thoughts. Oh, man. I know it's hard because you don't want to be biased, but I feel like he has to get it. He has to. You have, yeah. If he hits 60 home runs, he has to get it. But no, even if he hits like 59, yeah. he has to. Come on, with the 60. Dude, he's he's, he's batting like he's bat. What is he batting? 280, something like that? He's batting. He's, he's batting like the ball 300. He's, batting he's, like yeah. he's Dude, he's batting 300. Everybody talks about, oh, he only swings for the fences. He only hits home runs. Baloney. The guy has been able to shorten his swing so well this season. When he needs to give you a hit, get a single, get a double, drive runs in, he's done it. Listen, he doesn't drive in runs like Pete Alonso. That's Alonso's insane. But Judge is driving in a lot of runs. He's batting almost 300. 
43 home runs. He's breaking all these records, and he has the Yankees at 70 wins. And, he, and he, they were the first team to hit 70 wins in baseball. I'm sorry. If he gets robbed again, first it was Altuve after in his rookie year hitting 50. Altuve cheats, and he gets the AL MVP. If Judge gets robbed again, I am going to lose it. He, we, we might lose him. We might not get a World Series. Judge needs to get his AL MVP. The guy's 30 years old. He's having one of the best seasons by a Yankee, by a player ever. He needs to get the AL MVP. I'm sorry. He needs Listen, to. man, I, I, I totally agree with you. And just thinking about it now, that's another reason why Bader's here. I don't think the judge can, you know, like, him, like with his body type, play center field every single day. I mean, he he's, he's probably going to have to go back to right field. So He has to, yeah. We, yeah. And, we, and, and Bader was, a, a, again, a great – Great def and not even for the for hitting aspect because we have a lot of hitters. Hater is going to be a better hitter than Hicks. I don't think anybody could be worse than Hicks right now. I'll be honest. But the big thing with Hater is is the defense in center field. But Jacob, I know I asked you first. Come on, hop on this train with me here, Yankee fan. Judge has got to get it right. He's got to get it. I, I I really I really I really do hope so. I, and I really okay, I but do. Do you think so? Do you think so? I be honest with me. Do you think so? Do I think he should or will? Do you think he will? I don't think he will, but I think he should. I think that you the think, MLB. You think Otani? Oh, why won't he? Yeah, why won't he? I think I think a lot of I think a lot of it's going to depend on like the final line. I'm, I I really think sixty might be the threshold because if Otani pitches to under a three, and if he hits twenty five home runs, it's going to be so hard. His team is also terrible. Yeah, they, dude. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's also like, about team, team success matters though. But what can you do? What can you do? But I'm saying you have to. But the Angels have arguably for the last for the, for the last three seasons they have arguably the two best players in baseball in Trout and Otani, and they can't they, they can't win any kind of games and even be 500. The Orioles are 500, and they lost Mancini. So I mean, let's be honest here. The Angels have the two best players in baseball. They I should at least you. be. I told you. I think that he should. He should. Pending okay. any massive changes, but <laughs> uh, yeah. I, it's tough. It's it, it's tough. The MLB, is so, the MLB really likes Shohei Otani for, they, right, and, for and, a good reason. Yeah, they should. I was gonna say they should. I mean, he's phenomenal. But anyway, it's listen. It's splitting hairs. I think we all know Judge should get it. We want Judge to get it. It's about time he gets it. Like yeah, he LeBron deserves said, it too. Oh, he does. Say. Like LeBron said after his first <laughs> championship, it's about damn time. Give him his AL MVP. We're gonna move on to the NFL though. I want to get into some like not even on the field stuff, but just off the field um issues. The Miami Dolphins have been stripped of their 2024 first-round pick along with the 2020, or excuse me, 2023 first-round pick, a 2024 third-round pick, and their owner, Stephen Ross, was fined $1.5 million and will be suspended through October 17th. And the reason for all of this is because the Miami Dolphins have been accused and, and you know, they've now been punished for tampering with Tom Brady and Sean Payton in the, in the last few off-seasons. So I'm going to go through exactly what happened from reports per Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, all these different guys. So the NFL ruled the Dolphins had impermissible communications with Tom Brady in the 2019-2020 season while he was under contract with the Patriots. The, the communications began in the August of 2019, and they continued through the 2019 season and even the postseason, which the Patriots were a part of. Then... They also had impermissible communications with Brady during and after the 2021 season while he was under contract with the Buccaneers. The discussions were centered around Brady becoming a limited partner with the Dolphins while he was a part of the Buccaneers. If, that, if all that wasn't enough, in 2022, 
The Dolphins had even more imp- impermissible communications with Don Yee, who was the agent of former uh, Saints head coach Sean Payton. The communications were centered around trying to bring Sean Payton in as Miami's new head coach, and the Dolphins did not get any consent from the Saints before having these conversations. The discussions occurred before Sean Payton had announced his retirement. Following his retirement, the Dolphins then again requested permission to speak to Payton, and the Saints denied it. On Monday, and you know, on Monday during the whole week, they ended up doling out that punishment to Stephen Ross, the fines, the taking away of the draft picks, all of that. That's a lot of information for the listeners and even for you guys to hear all at once. But Jacob, hearing all of that, you obviously heard the reports off the show. What was your reaction? What did you think of the punishments and just the fact that the Dolphins did this much tampering in the matter of three years? Yeah, I mean, tampering's always been like a really like significant thing within the NBA and the, and the NFL specifically. Um, it, and another thing that just kind of jumps off the page at me a bit is like Brady and Sean Payton both already involved in massive, probably two of the top four or five most massive NFL scandals already. And I'm not yeah, like, yeah. saying any specific blame, but it's just like, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, this is a little bit too much of a trend here. I mean, it's it's not like it's yeah. just like, you know, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like whoa a little bit. The Dolphins, I feel like are one of those organizations that they're in a place where like I mean, with the Brian Flores situation too. Yeah, too. Yeah. I, like just the fact that he wasn't coaching them after the season they had was probably one of the most abysmal like coaching decisions, situations, whatever you want to call it. Ever. Yeah. So ra- to wrap everything I just set up, it's quite a dumpster fire, everything that's coming out. It probably <laughs> won't be such a huge thing going forward because even though they're going to lose the pick, they'll probably feel as though like whatever, you know, the organization themselves. But it's certainly a bad look in terms of when you're like looking at it from a lens of, look, this one team has multiple situations within this. And then you don't hear about it at all from any other, like most other teams, at least. Like I Connor, do. No, it's Connor, before, Connor, before you jump in here, I do want to say real quick, the draft yeah. pick, the only reason I find this could be very impactful for them is because if Tua doesn't pan out in a very, very quarterback-heavy draft class next upcoming draft with Bryce Young and some other young guys, that could hinder their ability to take a quarterback if they feel they need one. That's the only thing I want to bring up, depending on how Tua plays, obviously. I'm just saying that could be – a possible outcome down the road we see from this whole fallout. But give me your thoughts. Well, first of all, this really shows their confidence in Tua, huh? I mean, Jesus. Yeah, seriously, 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 seriously. It's just, it's just really funny how they went and tampered with these guys and they didn't end up with them. Like (laughs) that's what I was thinking of it at all. That was my reaction. They didn't get any of them. Didn't get any consideration. Nothing. Just like, yep. All right, whatever. Oh, we lost Connor there for a second, but yeah. Jacob, I'll give my thoughts even further. I think that it was my, my biggest reaction, even what Connor would kind of preface there before he cut out. One of the biggest things I thought was, damn, you tampered with them and you still couldn't even get them. You tampered with Brady twice. You right. couldn't get him in there. You tampered right. with Sean Payton. You couldn't get him in. It's just like that's even more of a slap in the face because you were doing it behind the, these teams back, doing exactly. it in, like under the rules, against the rules, and they still looked at you and were like, yeah, screw you. We don't want you. And to touch on the um, Brian Flores situation that you brought up kind of, excuse me, it does actually impact that because the NFL came out and they found that due to all of this tampering and everything that now has come out um, truthfully under the owner and everything, 
it was found that Brian Flores actually wasn't, it turns out he wasn't losing games on purpose. So the allegations that were put against him, the Dolphins had against him, right. that all kind of goes out the window now because he yeah. wasn't losing games on purpose because all of this information comes out. So it almost kind of not necessarily clears his name, but kind of gives us the full honest truth as to what was going on under the ownership of, uh, you know, Stephen Ross and the whole Dolphins organization in general, if that makes sense. But you can elaborate yeah. more if you'd like. It's the NFL is just feels like there's always going to be a scandal. It's almost yeah, like the beginning of every year. There's always multiple big scandals. And we're going to get I into think, the next one in a second. I mean, you know, you know what I'm yeah, talking about. I think, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the fact that oh, there's a, a, a feeling in the NFL that there's a lot of guys that live their whole lives out and then they get to the NFL and then everything changes. You have money. Now you have fame. Now you have all this. Obviously, yep. with the organization situation is a little different, but in general, I just think specifically with the NFL, there's just so many guys that their heads just can't, in you know, encapsulate yeah. everything that's actually going on in their lives now that 100%. they've hit this stride of being in the league. So I think that has a lot to do with it. And it just breeds a culture of, you know, the willingness to maybe be a little unfaithful and a little, you know, cheat or whatever it is. So, yeah, you know, it's whatever. Hopefully we can get hopefully we can get Connor back in a second, but we're going to move on to the Deshaun Watson situation. Now, this is a very serious conversation that I want to have. Um, it, it, it's I, I've been watching the people on First Take and on ESPN talk about this at nauseum over the last few days. I commend them so much because it is a very, very difficult conversation to kind of have on air and, you know, have over television and media because you want to have your own personal opinion. You want to feel a certain way about it. But at the same time, you have to kind of keep that to a certain level and not let that overshadow what the actual rulings have been and all the information that's come out. So I'm going to provide all the information now for you and our listeners. And um, yeah, so Monday NFL disciplinary judge, Sue Robinson, who they brought in the NFL brought in to kind of rule over this case. She informed the NFL that Deshaun Watson should be suspended in her professional opinion for six games. Robinson only brought, now there were 24, I believe 24, 25, total uh, civil lawsuits from 24 different women that were brought in against Deshaun Watson. It's important to mention that in this ruling of the case with Sue Robinson, she only took the testimonies and brought in four out of the 24 women, and she only heard four of them out. So she based her ruling off of those four women talking to Deshaun Watson, having private conversations with him and all the documents and the inf- information she was provided for. She didn't. It, it's important also to mention the NFL, like people were trying to compare this ruling and equating it to DeAndre Hopkins getting six games for the PEDs, Calvin Ridley getting a full year for the betting. It's important to mention Roger Goodell and the NFL were the ones that ruled on those cases. In this specific case here, at least initially before the NFL did eventually appeal it, in this case, Sue Robinson used no prior cases, no prior you know games to kind of compare and equate to make this decision. It was all based on information from the Deshaun Watson case. That's mm-hmm. important to mention. So again, Robinson, the six games, that's what she, that's what she ended up, you know, putting out there. The NFL then a few days later appealed the, uh, the, the, the ruling by Sue Robinson and Roger Goodell had the option and the, uh, the choice of who he wanted to hear the appeal. And he ended up, I believe his name was Peter C. Harvey Peter C. Harvey will be the NFL attorney or the, and sorry, New Jersey attorney that will be hearing the NFL's appeal. It's a lot of information. I know it's a lot to unpack and a lot to take in initial reactions. We'll stick with this first. What was your initial reaction to when you saw that Sue Robinson said Deshaun should get only six games? 
Well, first off, one of the things is that I saw that Goodell still had, can rule over it. He still has a higher, you know, ability to do that. Well, he, he did. He appealed it already. So, yeah, he did. So, right. I, I thought six was probably like a little shallow. I think that, like, one of the best comparisons is, like, the ones you mentioned. I think we've seen guys get more as the same for a lot less. But I think that it's also a really tricky situation because in those situations, for example, the betting and the PEDs, you have a point-blank yes or no answer to your question right in front of you. For the PEDs, you have a literal test that says he did it. For the betting, you have literal financial records that say he did it. For this, it's really hard because people don't know exactly what went on in those rooms that he was in. I mean, there's a lot, and, and I'm not saying I do or don't believe anyone. I'm not saying my opinion. I'm just saying I think it makes it harder on the higher ups to make rulings because these. This is one of those situations where it's a lot harder to know. Now, I don't think that he should be particularly. It, seems like there's still a level of like trying to make the most out of the situation and get him back in there. You know, I think there's definitely a little bit too much of people being generous to him because I think at the end of the day, he's in a situation where his platform is helping him. Cause if some random guy got accused by 25 girls of, of this, they'd be yeah. in, in, they'd be in shit for a long time. So in jail. Yeah. He'd be in, in jail. jail. Like, so I think his platform helps him. I think that he shouldn't feel any type of wrongdoing towards him because I think that he's at least getting a chance that if he gets six, eight, ten games, boo you'll be back. You are still going to be making millions of dollars for mistakes that you made. So, you know, it's like it's, it's a tricky situation. Yeah. We'll see what happens with the appeal. If I had to guess – it wouldn't end up being a full season, but I could see them adding a few more games. The NFL wanted a full season before, you know, right. the, the whole Sue Robinson thing. Yeah. My question here is, I, I want to pose this to you, and we can like we can kind of discuss this. The NFL felt okay with ruling on the on the De- DeAndre Hopkins and the um, Calvin Ridley situations, correct? So why in this situation was it necessary to bring in an outside disciplinary judge? And you ended up appealing it anyway, so now it's in the hands of Roger Goodell, regardless. So what was the whole point of bringing in Sue Robinson is kind of moot at this point. There was no reason to bring her in because before this, we talk talk about, we can go back to big Ben, Ray Rice, any other situation, Michael Vick, the NFL ruled on all of them. So why now do we bring in Sue Robinson, but you're going to appeal it anyway. So there was no reason for it. That's where my head kind of went when I saw, I I thought they were, I expected an appeal to happen, whether it was for, because they actually wanted him to get more games or if they wanted it even for a perception aspect, they want the public to perceive like they still, you know, actually genuinely care about the sexual assault stuff. Like they might, they might want it to perceive as, oh yeah, no, we want him to get more games and he might not anyway, because there's no, the NFL cannot benefit in any way from him getting more games outside of getting more support from women outside of that. They don't gain anything monetarily, you know, fan wise, they don't gain things from having Deshaun sit out more a talent like Deshaun. You don't gain from having him sit out. So this could all, all be for publicity just so the NFL can say, hey, no, we appealed it. Look at this. We did this. We we went against it. We didn't like this, but he still gets six games anyway. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. to, to I'm, It's kind of cool to think, or not even cool. I shouldn't say that. Interesting to think about 
whether this, whether this appeal is, you know, legit, they really, really want to get in more games or they're doing it all for publicity and all to save face and to show, okay, we really do genuinely care about this. Right. The other aspect of this too, though, I want to bring up Deshaun Watson has completely and utterly com- maintained his innocence throughout the entire thing. This is where I go. I don't know. I, you know, I'm not like, I don't know a ton about, you know, civil court and like all these different, you know, how, how laws work in terms of this asp. I'm not fully, you know, wired in this world. What I will say is though, Deshaun Watson has settled 23 out of the 24 civil lawsuit cases. Why would you do that? If you're fully innocent, if you claim no responsibility, which he has done throughout the entire thing, Jacob, you wouldn't settle. If you were fully innocent, that's all. I, I'm not saying he's innocent or guilty because he's been, he's been proven innocent in civil court. You wouldn't settle if you were fully, fully innocent and not culpable in any in any respect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Peyton's yeah. joining us now too. We got Peyton here. That's awesome. Oh, hey, Connor. Hey, hey. hey, hey, what's up, hey. Connor? Unfor- Connor, unfortunately, uh, he he his internet cut out. He can't join us again. But Jacob, give me your thoughts on what I kind of just said. And Peyton, I'll let you jump in in a second. But in terms of the you know NFL maybe doing it you know as a perception, Deshaun Watson is he innocent? Is he not? That whole thing. I think well, I think everybody's kind of agreed. Public opinion is he should have got a full year. Um, it's really hard. Sue Robinson, I'm not really sure how much I trust her opinion. I doubt Goodell's going to review it, so it's probably going to be six games. But well, no, they 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 appealed they appealed it. Goodell appealed it already. Did anything come back yet or no? No, because Goodell, Goodell, I told, I was reading all this out to the uh, audience, but I can bring it back up again. So, New Jersey attorney Peter C. Harvey is going to hear the appeal. So, Sue Robinson isn't even hearing the appeal the NFL had. So, bringing in Sue Robinson, it was kind of pointless because the NFL ended up appealing it anyway, and now it's in the hands of Roger Goodell and the attorney that he's appointed. So, it's kind of, it's, it's, it was kind of a moot point, but give me your thoughts on that. Honestly, um, again, I just feel like you got away with highway robbery, to be realistic. The thing is, like, how many guys have done the same thing that he's done and not been caught? Probably a lot. So um, I'm not yeah. surprised that he only got six games. But when you do the comparisons based on other players, you know, the suspensions they received for whatever they did, I mean, it's a joke. Like, it's just a joke. And the Brown, if the Browns didn't have Watson, they'd be screwed anyway. So I'm not – again, I'm not surprised. It just seems a little bit like – in my opinion, he should have got ten games. I think I think in between, you know, would have been all right. But six games is just a little bit too short for me. And I, I don't agree with the verdict at all, to be honest. No, I got you. Jacob, give me your thoughts on everything that I brought up. Well, I mean, I gave you my initial thoughts. I, I, I agree. I mean, I think six is a little short, but I think once again, it's one of those things where it's like in the other cases, it's so much more clear cut and you can infer from what happened more reasonably what to do because there's so much gray area here. But I think yeah. 10 games is pretty reasonable. But I, I, I don't think anyone would see the issue with more either. So I think that the appeal will 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 add to it. But I, I don't think he'll get a full season at this point. I agree with Pac. It, it, it's gray because it's like, again, like I said, how many guys have done this and not gotten caught? There's been a lot of other instances of different things, whether yeah. it be domestic abuse, substance abuse, things like that, where you have like a relative reference point to look at, like how many games did this guy get? How many games did this guy get? Whereas mm-hmm. – with Watson, it's like he's such a singular case that it's hard It's hard to really gauge it. But I agree with Pac. It's got to be over 10, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I definitely was surprised by how low the number was. I thought he would have gotten more for sure. But, yeah, I, I, at this point, I think he might get more based on the appeal, but we'll see what happens. 
Jacob, I want to get your thoughts on some of the contract extensions that wide receivers have gotten in the last few last week or so. We're going to go to DK Metcalf first. He got a three-year, $72 million extension, $58.2 million guaranteed, and a $30 million signing bonus. What are your reactions to that, Jacob? Did he deserve the money? Give me your thoughts. I mean, I think that's absolutely absurd. I think, Me too. Too, I much? Think, too much? Me too. Much. I, I mean, I think initially I think initially these receivers are getting paid in ways that receivers were never paid. That's that's a given. And especially DK Metcalf, who we all consensually agree isn't even a top 10 receiver, he's nope. getting quarterback money. I mean, that's that's quarterback. That's 24 million a year. Yeah. More than, he's getting more than, he's getting more than Debo. That's what I, I was just going to say. If he's getting more than Debo, I soon I saw that such a bucket. And the fact is he's playing with Geno or Drew Locke. Like you're paying this guy this much money, go get a quarterback. Like yeah. I would, I would let go. I would let go of Metcalf before I paid him that much money. I completely agree with Jacob. He's getting quarterback money, and again, not even a top ten guy on that roster. I don't know how much of an impact he's going to be able to have during this season. I mean, I think they're going to run the ball extremely heavy. I don't think they're going to pass a lot. But what do I know? I, I just, I think they way overpaid for him. I agree. I mean, running the ball, they might not even be doing because Chris Carson retired, so that might be questionable. They, they, no, they did but draft, they got, they, did, I, I, they, they got a rookie. I know they drafted that rookie. Yeah, so, I, mean, I think he, honestly, if I had to put my money on it, Kenneth Walker is probably going to get the ball a whole lot more than, than DK Metcalf, just because who the hell is going to pass this guy the ball again? This I know Drew runs, Locke doesn't have the arm to do so. Yeah, he runs. He runs purely, purely goes. Like I'm sorry, his route tree isn't big enough. That much money for that a one-dimensional receiver like that. I think it's a huge mistake by Seattle. And, and the fact that he got more than Debo is just comical to me. Yeah, Jacob, I'll ask you about the Debo contract now. He got three years, $71.55 million, 58.1 guaranteed, and it could be up to worth, uh, worth up to 73.5. What are your thoughts on that? I'm glad he got his money finally, but should he have been paid more or no? I mean, I I, I still stand with the belief that I, could, I can't see receivers getting paid more than that. I mean, I just... I think if there are guys, obviously he's going to be one of them. And I do think with the way the NFL market has shifted in the last few years, that that's a pretty reasonable contract for him specifically. But I definitely don't think he should have got more. And I definitely don't think that – I just I, – I think Peyton makes a great point. It's like you pay these guys all this money, but you need someone to get them the ball. Because in football, there's such an immense reliance on other players compared to other sports. In basketball – you know, you can overpay a guy if he's your guy because he's going to go out there and ball. But in the NFL, you need so many other things to do right. Not only do you need a quarterback to get you to ball, you need a good enough line to get your give your quarterback enough time. You need a good enough coach to put you yep. in a team that's going to be able to get you the ball in the first place. So there's just so many factors that makes these big contracts be a little like, whoa, Debo is a generational talent, so I could see it. But I can't see it with a guy like Metcalf at all. Yeah, last uh, last two contracts. Deontay Johnson, the most recent one, got a two-year, thirty-six point seventy-one million dollar deal from the Steelers. Could be worth up to thirty-nine point five, and he got twenty-seven million guaranteed. I feel like that's fair. I think he's the clear number one receiver on the Steelers over Chase Claypool, talent-wise. He did drop the ball a lot last season, but I was fine with that deal. Jacob, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's a pretty standard deal, and I think that's the type of deal that a lot of people are probably more used to. Um, yeah. You know, not getting up to a twenty-five, twenty-six million type thing, but. I think Deontay Johnson's in a situation now where, like, this is your prove-yourself contract. If you prove yourself in those next two years with that eight, 17 or $18 million, then he'll get one of those big contracts like the two guys we mentioned before because he is that good. He just needs to prove it. So Yeah. Peyton? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a lot bigger on $28 million guaranteed than I am $58 million guaranteed. Um, I'm with Pac on this one. And, and I, I agree that Debo Samuel, I wouldn't say he's a uh, – 
you know, like out of this world talent. I think he's really good. And I think he's a speedster. But the fact that they're not going to be able to use him in a running back wide receiver hybrid kind of role, which he he flourished in last year, I think his touchdown, his overall touchdowns are probably going to go down. Um, I like the, the Johnson contract a lot more than I like the Debo or the Metcalf contract. If I had to rank them, I'd say Metcalf is the worst. Debo's all right because he's really talented. And Deontay Johnson, I think that's a good price for the Steelers to get him at. Last one, Julio Jones got a one-year contract from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is now going to be joining Brady in Tampa. Jacob, is that a good deal, getting him on a one-year contract, like a prove-it deal kind of thing? What do you think? Well, I absolutely love it. You guys all know how I feel about Julio Jones. I mean, I think he's one of the one of the great receivers of his generation. I think he's, you know, deserves more than what he's got. I think the Falcons was just like, I mean, man, did that go downhill after that Super Bowl appearance. Um, and I think he deserves a chance to play for a championship. There's a lot of guys in this league that, you know, obviously he had, had a chance in those that little two-year span there where they were good, but – you know, he deserves it. He deserves a Tom Brady experience. Um, in terms of the Buccaneers specifically, I don't think it makes a massive difference. I mean, I think they're one of the favorites anyway, obviously. But I don't think it's as much to make them jump over a Rams-type team, really. So, I, I mean, I still think they're, you know, with right behind second or third, you know, best odds within the NFC to make it out. But I don't think it jumpstarts them to the best team in the in the conference. Peyton, what do you think? I agree for the most part, but I think it has a little bit more of an impact than Jacob is putting on. Um, I think with again with all the receivers out there and the way Brady reads reads defenses, it's going to be really, really, really hard for for teams to stop them, especially with Evans and Julio on the outside. Like, I in my opinion, I think it puts them above the Rams. Uh, you know, I might be crazy. You know, I think cups wow. in for I think cups in for a recession. I think Allen Robinson is a great talent, and I'm really happy that the Rams got him. I think they needed that to kind of keep up their offensive pace. But for me, again, I agree with Pac. I think Julio's one of the best receivers in the last 20, 30, you know, twenty years or Decade, so. Yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah he's he, he's on the he's on the level of Calvin, in my opinion. You know what I mean? I think he's. He, you think he's better? He might even be better than Calvin at times. Yeah, but, I yeah. don't think anybody puts him on that. Like you know, they don't really. When you talk about Randy and Calvin, Julio's never really. He's always kind of left out of that. But for me, I think he's just yeah. as good as a guy like Calvin. I don't know if he's on Randy Moss level, but again, at his age, I, I don't really think it matters with Brady down there playing in Tampa. You know, I think he's going to have a career year. You not maybe not a career year. He's going to be fighting for targets with a lot of guys, but I, I definitely think it makes the Bucks probably the favorites for me to get out of the NFC. I disagree with you. I don't think it moves the needle that much. I mean, Julio's kind of been an injury-riddled guy the last few seasons. With Tennessee, he barely played, and when he did, he was good. I know he had Tannehill throwing him the football, but that that played a role definitely, and they're a run-centric team. But I just, in terms of their health, in terms of the health aspect, he hasn't really been that healthy recently. I just don't know if he's going to stay healthy the entire season. If anybody can get him a, a revitalization, it is Tom Brady with that connection. I'm not 100%. I don't think it moves the needle. I think the Rams are still the favorites by a decent margin, actually, in my opinion, as a, as the roster as a whole. But um, but yeah, I, I I think it's a good deal, but doesn't move it that much. What makes you I say want to move? One, hold on, before we go, what makes you say the Rams 
what part of the Rams offense or defense makes you say that they're still... we're, we're about we're, we're about to get into our division predictions. So once we get to the Rams, I'm going to tell you because we're going to get to the NFC West, uh, you know, the NFC West down the line. But I want to start going to our predictions for the playoffs and our divisions. We're going to start with the AFC East. And Connor, unfortunately, again, is not here. His connection cut out. Just wanted to, you know, preface that again for you guys. We're going to bring you our division predictions, though, in our playoff predictions. So, Jacob, for the AFC East, starting with that division. I'm going to give you my records and then the order, and then you can do the same. And then Peyton will go right after him. So in the order I have from fourth place to first place, the jets at six and 11, the Patriots at seven and 10, the dolphins at 10 and seven and the bills at 14 and three. Jacob, what do you have? Wow. Are you surprised, the, what, are you, what are you surprised by? No. Well, maybe the Patriots being under 500. No, that's dude. They have no offensive coordinator. Well, no offensive coordinator at all. I had the jets in last, uh, I had seven wins for them, which was generous. But I think I, they're I, six. I think that I think their roster really has improved mightily. I just think the only problem with them is I mean I think their biggest problem is the division they have to play in because I think they'll yeah. probably go one and five in this division. Or at best, maybe oh and yeah. six. And then once you do that, it'll be tough. Um I, I had the Patriots a game better. I had them at eight and nine, and then I had the Dolphins at nine and eight. I think it could reverse, though. I think it could be the other way around. I'm not so high on the Dolphins as many people are. I don't have the two that many people have. So Neither I had them right around. I think they'll be right around 500 at eight or nine wins. And the Bills will win 13 or 14 games, like you said. Okay. Peyton, what do you think? Division AFC East. Um, I had it flipped. So I had the Patriots at nine and eight, the Dolphins at eight and nine. I, I don't even, you know, Jets are probably going to win two games. And then the Bills, I had them at 14 wins as well. I'm, I so, think I'm, get more. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, like, I, I feel like the they'll Jets, get more than two games, dude. I think I don't, I, I, uh, I don't really trust Zach Wilson to be fair. Like, you know, I don't, I like the additions they've made. Garrett Wilson, I like Elijah Moore. I even like the kid they got. What's the running back? Oh my God. Bryce Hall. I don't mind Bryce yeah, Hall Bryce either. Hall, with, yeah, with Michael Carter there. I mean, it's additions again, but I think they need time to gel. And I just don't see, in, in the AFC this year, I don't see them winning that many games. You don't really think they're going to win two games, though, right? The, no, defense, the defense, dude, the defense is very you think good. They're going to go they, two they, and 15. Yeah, probably. I mean, bro, maybe they three. added, they, yeah, in, they between added two, I, in between two and four wins, uh, I would say. They're going to they're gonna win six games. They're going to win six games. They they added some good defensive pieces, too. Jermaine, Jermaine Johnson, Jacob, you know. From I the draft. Sauce Gardner. I was going to say, I'm getting to him. Yeah, Jermaine Johnson was underrated. Come Sauce on. Gardner, best corner in the draft. They're, they're going to they're gonna be fine. They'll get like, they'll get five or six games. I have them at six and 11. But okay. moving on, the AFC North, this is my order. I got the Browns at five and 12 in fourth place. The Steelers at six and 11. I have for the first losing season in Mike Tomlin's career ever. I have the Ravens at 11 and six and the Bengals at 14 and three, as well as the bills. <sighs> Jacob, what do you, you have? out of your mind? No, I'm correct. Three. I have the Bengals. Three. I have the Bengals beating the bills on the road in Buffalo in the regular season. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Give me, give me your AFC North, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> the the Bengals are the real deal, man. Don't laugh. Come on. Uh, Bengals are the real deal. Oh, two, two. They're gonna be a two. They're gonna be a two seed. They're gonna be a two seed in the AFC. Trust it. Give me give me your predictions. AFC sure. North. <laughs> uh, he has to get his laughs out. Come on. Give me your AFC oh, North. It's comical. Oh, I mean, do you, right. to go fourteen and three, realistically, they'd have to. They'd pretty much have to sweep the division. <laughs> because... I have them. Be I have them beating the Browns both times. I have them losing to the Steelers and the Ravens once. 
You got them losing to the Steelers. So they're gonna lose one. They're gonna lose one out of their eleven non-division games. Yep. Boy, give me, give me, give me your division. Give me your AFC North. Come on. Okay. Me or him? I'll go. I'll go. Jacob, I, yeah, I, Jacob, you go. I had, I had the Browns in last four or five wins. I think. Same, same. Here. I think they're gonna suck. Um, yep. I think the Steelers will be a little better than what you said, but not much. I think seven and ten for them. And then I, I think the Ravens are gonna win this division. I gotta be All honest. Right. I think if Lamar I, yeah. Jackson plays a full season, that they're going to win this division. So I assuming, disagree 100%. Assuming he does, yeah. I'll go Bengals with 11 wins, and I'll give them 12. All right. Peyton, what do you got? I had the Browns at 6-11, and 11, the Bengals at 12-5, and 5, the Ravens at 10-6, and 6, and the Steelers at 6-10. and 10. All right, so you have the Steelers in third. Steelers will go six and eleven if they have six wins. But Wait, six bottom line, twelve and five is reasonable, but fourteen and three is ridiculous. Fourteen and three, the Bengals are winning the division. Who day, baby, Joey B. They're probably yeah, you really, the you division, really think bro. that you really think the Ravens are going to win this division? Like he's not crazy to say the Bengals are going to win this division. That's not crazy. that was never my just... laugh. My, I was laughing at the record because 14, yeah, yeah, that, 14, yeah. And three. fourteen and three is like. I mean, Listen, they're they're gonna be this. They're gonna be the second seed in the AFC too because they beat the Bills head to head in the regular season. I well, think then twelve and five. I think twelve and five is a lot more fair. No, they'll be a two seed because I have a team that goes better than fourteen and three. Jacob, just you wait. Yeah, he's wild. <laughs> uh, he called. Me yeah, you're yeah. gonna you're gonna yeah. Jacob. You're gonna no, hear in a no, second. You have to understand these teams are gonna split games with each other. They they can't hey. win all their big games. Jacob, just wait. AFC okay. South. Here we go. I got the Colts winning the division at ten and seven. I have the Titans at four and thirteen, the Jaguars at three and fourteen, and the Texans at three and fourteen. Wait, 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 Yep, they have one of the and they have one of the biggest drop-offs going from a thirteen and four one seed to a four and thirteen season. Have one of the worst drop drop-offs in NFL history. So basically, right so basically, their only two wins are going to be the Jaguars and the Texans, and then they're going to go zero and thirteen elsewhere. They're not going <laughs> to single game four and thirteen. No, not not two. Four and thirteen. Yeah, so they're going to beat the Jaguars twice. They're going to be. No, the I, I have them losing twice. to the Texans once. I have losing to the Texans once. Davis Mills. <laughs> And I think okay. I, I I believe they beat Jacksonville twice. I I'm think sorry. I'm not going to do this for all of your ridiculous ones, but for this one, I just I need the schedule in front of me because I just uh, Peyton, need to know. While he while he pulls up the schedule, Peyton, give us your predictions for the AFC South. I have the Colts winning the AFC South at 11 and six. I have the Texans at five and 12. I have the Titans at seven and ten, and I have the Jags at three and 14. All right, so you have the Titans at seven and ten. That's a little more reasonable, I'd say. I, I, I think. Dude, I, I mean, again, King Henry's still there. Tannehill's still there. Lose a lot of receivers. I think the defense is still decent. I I can't see. What, what was your prediction, Tino? Three and four, four and thirteen. <laughs> I don't know. I am all for the hot takes. Four I think, and thirteen. The, the the Titans, Jaguars, and Texans. Schedule. I just looked. The Titans, Jaguars, and Texans will be the the, the bottom three teams in the AFC, all from the South. Yeah, my opinion. I agree. They'll be the bottom three. Titans. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I have the I have the Titans worse than the Jets. I'll say that. See, I don't know. I see. I can't. I, I think the, I think the Titans, Titans will be worse than the Jets. The Titans. The Titans could be. I think they'll. You know, Jets, Browns, Steelers, Dolphins. Jets, Browns, and Steelers. Dane, are, how could the Jets be worse than last year? I'm just wondering. I mean, they their, their so roster better. is two times better than last year. It's like the Knicks, you know. 
Yeah, but the Knicks don't improve. What do you mean? The Jets, dude. Well, the Jets well, have a second the, year Zach the Jets, the Jets might have had the best offseason in the league. I mean, they had the best draft. They had the best draft. Yeah. I just, I just dude, don't trust. I just don't, year, I really, I really just do not trust Zach Wilson at all. Well, it really second does year, come down to that because yeah, I mean, I, again, they're going to okay, win. Like, I, I, great. Their defense is great. Like, it's all these young no, guys. But, cool. I'm fine with that. All I'm saying is the guy that's holding the ball 80% of the time, I don't trust at all. So I, I just, again, you know, Michael Carter, Brees Hall, great players. Elijah Moore is good. I like their offense. It's not bad, but I don't trust Zach Wilson. To I win mean, there's, other the guys, there's a bunch of guys you're not mentioning, but Corey like, Davis, Corey yeah. Davis. Okay. Like, okay. He's a throw. CJ Uzama the, came in. CJ Uzama from the Bengals. Okay. Okay. It's all, it, it's all dependent on Wilson actually getting right. the ball no, down the field. I agree. And I just, okay. If Will, no, no, he's right though. Because if Wilson, if Wilson's, but why don't you trust him? Because no. he's extremely turnover prone and he's young. Okay, I've never seen Wilson, Mac, and Trey. It's like everybody thinks these guys are going to turn into like top 10 quarterbacks. I didn't say top years. 10, but Zach can be a middle pack guy and be a decent guy that's a game. That's you like know, a if game he's a middle pack guy in this division, he's not going to win that many games. I'm sorry to He'll say. He'll win for, okay, all right, whatever. We disagree. Jacob, give me, your, give me your AFC South. I think the Jaguars get four. I think the Texans get three. I think the Titans get seven or eight and yeah. i think the colts yeah like 10 10 and 7 is pretty reasonable and when right. so you and the you have you and peyton both have the titans and more reasonable i went out with a hot take i think they're just going to absolutely plummet this season but they they might not because they have king henry but i think they're going to plummet yeah well AFC- here's my thing well sorry yeah no, you, know, you go 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 no, i was just gonna say i personally think the texan the only reason i think that that i thought your take was bad i do think they're going to be a lot worse is because I think they're going to still win those two games against the two bad teams, and that's already their four wins. Yep, so I'm assuming you. even if they stink, they're still going to like go at least like three and eight elsewhere, or whatever it is, and that'll be I six or seven. I'm, with pa- I'm, I'm same with Pog on that. You're probably listen. You're probably right, but when they go four and thirteen, we'll we'll come back to this clip. We'll po- we'll post it on our Instagram. Fair enough. Moving on to the AFC West, toughest division in football. This is my order from four to one. I have the Broncos at eleven and six. The Chiefs at 11 and 6, but the Chiefs get ahead of them due to the division records. I got the Raiders at 12 and 5, and I got the Chargers at 15 and 2. I know Jacob's face right there. Yep. (laughs) 15 and 2 for the LA Chargers. Raiders 12 and 5, Chiefs 11 and 6, Broncos 11 and 6. Peyton, what are your predictions? And I know, Jacob, you're going to say, well, they're going to beat up on each other. There's no way the Chargers can go that well. Chargers are going to go 15 and 2. Best, they on paper, they have the best roster in football, some of the best players in football. Peyton. AFC West, give it to me. I have the Broncos at eleven and six, the Chiefs at twelve and five, or yes, and the Chargers at thirteen and four, Raiders at ten and seven. So Raiders go last place, Broncos third, Chiefs second. Yeah, I don't uh, get, yeah. I don't get the Raiders hype. I'm gonna be, I, you know, I get it. Adams got added. I really don't see it. I, I hate Derek Carr with a burning passion, and I think that all this hype. Is we gonna, know that you've said that many times. I think, I think, well, I think it's the same thing as Miami. It's like all of a sudden everybody's yeah. like, oh Miami, oh Raiders, oh my God. It's like I don't give, you know. Again, the Chiefs, the Broncos, and the Chargers are much better teams with much better quarterbacks than the Raiders, in my opinion. And I, I know their defense looks decent with Crosby and Jones, and everything looks all right, but I, I don't see it to be honest. Jacob, what are your thoughts? Who wins this division? Yeah, I, I think the Raiders are last. Uh, I think they'll win like, I think they'll be like, maybe nine and eight, ten and seven. Wow. I had them at ten and seven. So I'm the only one that has them make, making the playoffs then at twelve and five. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, right. uh, I mean they'll be. I think they'll be in the hunt. And I think the. I mean I I had a lot of trouble with the other three. I I think the Chargers do win the division, but I think that it's more like thirteen, you know, thirteen and four. I think. All right. 
And then I think, yeah, the other two, I, I could definitely see the Chiefs and the – yeah, I, I think one of them will win 11, one of them win 12. I mean, they're all going to have above – Which one, if you had to make a pick, what would you say? Who who gets the 12 wins over the Chiefs and the Broncos? Chiefs. I'll go Chiefs. Yep. All right. I'll so you have the Chargers, Chiefs, Broncos, Raiders. All right, so we're basically the, we're basically the same. I just have the Raiders at two and the Broncos at four. So fourth place for the NFC East, I have the Washington Commanders at seven and ten, the Giants third place at eight and nine, the Cowboys in second place at eight and nine, and the Eagles at thirteen and four in first place. Thirteen and four? Oh yeah, you said that. Yep. I remember. Eagles at thirteen and four. Are you crazy? He's wilding, man. Bro, how you're reacting so crazy to all my picks, bro? Because you went, like, you know, you, you went, just said the Eagles are gonna go. I mean. <laughs> No, he, yeah. The Eagles are going 13 and four, man. I was in a hotel bathroom <laughs> when he told me that, and I had a very similar reaction. I was like, are you, his, it's so Eagles are 13 heavy. and four. <laughs> I can't believe it. I can't either. I'm going to be hey, honest. Hey, what are your NFC East? <laughs> um, 13 and four. I would go, I would go 11 and six for the Eagles at the top. I'd say the commanders are at the bottom somewhere around probably. I'd say five and twelve, and then I would put the Giants at seven and ten, and then the Cowboys. Let's say eight and nine, probably. Okay. Jacob, what do you think? I think the I think the Giants get like six. Okay. Uh, I think Commanders be a game better seven. I think the Cowboys and Eagles like, are going to be fighting. Like I think it's going to be like a nine and eight. Cowboys, Cowboys ain't close, bro. I'm sorry. They got I so, think they got be, so honestly. So much... I'm kind of with Tino on this one. I think he's I a think little. Take, the last few years, like a nine and eight and an eight and nine. I guess the Eagles would probably win. I'm telling you, the Cowboys, bro. They got so much worse. No Randy Gregory. Their O line's worse. They lost Amari Cooper. Like I know CD probably could be the one, but we have to see it to believe it. Like I, excuse me, Michael I don't Fox, think this Cowboys you know? team. I know Mike is still there, but as a whole, I don't know if Dallas is going to be there. But I have Eagles at 13 and 4. I know that's kind of crazy, but I think this is Hurts and A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. I would say it's their year this year. Dallas Goddard. So I have them going 13 and 4. NFC North, I have the Bears at 2 and 15. I have the Lions at 6 and 11. I have the Vikings at 11 and 6, and the Packers at 12 and 5. So I have the Packers and Vikings battling at the top. Bears and Lions are kind of out of it. What do you think, Jacob? I think. I- I mean, I may be biased, but I think Justin Fields could have a decent year. <laughs> I agree. I I agree. Dude, I, I have no agree. faith in the Bears whatsoever. I could not at all. agree more. I don't no know faith why. In the, I think the, like, I think they could be. I think it'd be around five hundred. I'll tell you why wow. they have no faith. Oh, yeah, <laughs> out of, you're out of your mind. I'll tell you why I have no faith because they lost Allen Robinson, who only didn't perform well because Fields and the Bears O line couldn't do anything. Cole Komet's not a great tight end. Cole Darnell Komet's Mooney's a good gonna, tight end. Cole Komet is okay, a good tight I say, end. I said he's not great. Yeah, Darnell I guess. Mooney's gonna, How many great Darnell, tight ends are in the league? You know, come on now. Cole Dar- Komet's a good Darnell tight end. Mooney, Darnell Mooney will be fine at a wide receiver one. The offensive line is atrocious. Khalil Mack's gone. I just don't know if the Bears the Bears are not gonna be good. They're not gonna be. You have to you have to accept it. They're not gonna be good. But Peyton, give me so Jacob, you have Bears maybe going five hundred, Lions. Like, so I'm assuming I'll, Lions I'll are last place. I'll, I'll say seven and ten. Lions are last place, I'm guessing. Yeah, like four maybe. Okay. And what <laughs> uh, do you have for the Vikings and Packers? I don't think the Vikings give the Packers as much of a run for their money as you said. I think the Packers okay. get twelve and I'll give the Vikings like nine. Nine and eight. Okay. I think that's reasonable. Peyton, what do you think? I got the Bears at eight and nine, Lions at four and thirteen, Packers at twelve and five, and then the Vikings is a tough one for me. I'm really not a big fan of them this year. I don't know. I, I th- 
Mm, we'll go seven and ten for the Vikings. What? What? You have the Bears being better than the Vikings? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Are you out of your damn mind? No, I'm not. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. I don't care about Kirk Cousins. Whatever you want to say. Jefferson, Thielen, and Cook. The Bears are going to be better Cook's than the Vikings. Cook's, de Cook's definitely going to get hurt. Jefferson's in for a recession. I don't think he's going to have a monster year. Thielen you think everyone's a... in for a recession? Cooper Cup, Jay Jets, you think? Yeah, you they think are. All these Tino, they are. Tino, that's what they How? That's... Because they are, Tino. Trust me. Uh, this is my hot this take, you know? Yeah, my, and my picks are out. Okay, whatever. The Vikings worse than the Bears. At that, least my picks are spread where it's like, you know, they're all kind of changing. That's crazy. The Vikings worse than the Bears. Let me Dude, sit my you're... tea. Let me sit my tea. You're... Okay, sit your tea. That's nuts. Moving on to the NFC South. I got the Falcons at 2-15. and 15. I got the Panthers <laughs> at 7-10. and 10. I got the uh, Bucks at twelve and five, and the Saints at thirteen and four. <laughs> Two and fifteen. I got the Saints. I got I, I got the Saints winning that division at thirteen and four, and the Bucks go twelve and five. <laughs> I got the Saints winning the division, boys. No, no, no doubt in my mind. James, you think? James? Bro, I'll I'll Chris lay it out for you. Lobby and James yeah, I'm, I'm gonna lay. James it. is gonna okay. smoke teams this year. Yeah. I'm gonna lay it out for you. You got you got Jacob's boy, Chris Olave, out of Ohio State. Olave, oh, yeah. He's gonna, He's Who's good. gonna be disgusting? Michael Thomas coming off injury. Alvin Kamara, Marquez, <laughs> Ca Marco Marquez Callaway, who was a great young receiver for them last year. You look at their defense. You look at their defense. They got Cameron Jordan, Demario Davis, Tyron Matthew, Marshawn Lattimore. They added Kiko Alonso. This team is phenomenal. They're the most underrated team going into next season. Thirteen and four. They're gonna contend to win the NFC. <laughs> Give me your Jacob. What are your predictions for the NFC South? Well, I don't think the Saints will win this division. That's not I, dude. There's no way. There's no way the Buccaneers have a better record than the Saints this year. I sure. Okay, I won't say no. There's way, no way the Bucs have a better record than the Saints this year. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not saying there's no, no, no way. I'm saying but I'm it thinking, to him. Oh, I was gonna say, are you on that? I was like, are you? No, no, no. no I'm saying, no, I disagree. I'm saying, moron. No, all right. There's not no. There's not no way, but I don't think it's gonna happen. But anyway, you just said there's no way that Tom Brady I'll, I'll, is on a better. I'll walk it back. I'll walk it back. There's a chance. There's a chance. I'll walk it back. There's a chance. All right. Well. I agree. I think the Falcons get like two or three. They're really bad. I think the Falcons get, I mean, sorry, the Panthers like seven. Yeah, that's what I said. I think the Saints, like, I think Saints are one of the last, maybe the six to seventh wild card, like nine or 10. Yeah. And then the Bucks, 12 or 13. I mean, which is All what right. it always is. That's what the division is every year, or at least the last few. So, yeah. I think it'll be hey, well. Falcons will be a bit worse than usual. I got but. Falcons. Falcons three and fourteen. Honestly, don't sleep on Drake London and Mariota. Maybe a little uh, Marcus Mariota time. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I guess yeah. three. I don't know. I think they could. I think they could win five, six games. But I have them at three and fourteen. I have the Panthers at eight and nine. I have the Bucks at fourteen and three. And I have the Saints at ten seven. Yeah. All right. So both the other. Reason. I'm the only one that has the Saints once again winning that division. Hot takes out here. Final division, NFC West. I have the Seahawks going zero and seventeen. Wait for this, have, wait for this, Jacob. Wait, 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 wait for this, Jacob. Wait, just wait. I have the Seahawks going 0 and 17. The Cardinals go 5 and 12. The <laughs> Niners go nine. The Niners go nine and eight, and the Rams go 15 and 2. The Cardinals go 5 and 12. And the Rams go 15 and 2. We got both LA teams going 15 and 2. You're both so LA teams go 15 and 2. How the hell are the Cardinals going 5 and 12? Please tell me, you know, please. They're going 5 and 12. Jacob, give me your predictions. No, I'll I'll explain. I'll explain. I'll explain. I don't trust Cliff Kingsbury whatsoever. 
I think DeAndre Hopkins being suspended for the first six games definitely hurts them in the beginning of their schedule. Um, I don't trust Kyler at all. I think the new Kyler's contract. Kyler's going to come out and make you eat those words, boy. I, I, think, I think the new contract he got is going to make him complacent. He got his money. He has nothing to play for anymore with the way that his mind works. He has nothing to play for. I don't think he's going to come out and play well. Marquise Brown already got arrested, so that, that signing might not even do anything for them. Um, I think you I think you severely overrate Rondell Moore. I don't think he's going to do much for them. Zach Ertz, he's aging. He's not going to do much. The defense got a lot worse. No more Chandler Jones. I, I don't see them being that good. No Calais Campbell anymore for a while. Um, yeah, I just think I think they're going five and twelve. Not a great team, in my opinion, all, all around. So yeah, J- Jacob, what are your predictions? Well, I do agree that they won't be as good as last year, but I think five and twelve has got to be a bit harsh. All right. Um, well, well, hey, big big question. Will Seattle win a game? You think? I I don't think so. Probably. I think Seattle, I think Seattle will win like three games. I agree. All right. We'll see. I agree with that. I think Seattle wins around three. I do think the Cardinals are worse, but not that much worse. I'll give them eight. I think they'll be around okay. 500. The Rams, uh, yeah, 14. Yeah. It's like 14 or 15, bro. I'm telling you. They're, yeah, they're going yeah. to be even better than last year. Better than last year. I'll say 14, though. And then I think the Niners, I honestly think the Niners and like Cardinals are going to be flipping like nine and eight and eight and nine. I don't yeah. think the Niners are are, are are that crazy. I mean, I think they'll have Bosa back, which is huge. You can't so, tell me yeah. you can't tell me the Niners don't have massive boom potential. They also have they massive have, no the Niners, the Niners are the biggest boomer bust team in the NFL because it all rests on Trey Lance. If Lance plays well, this could be an 11 12 win team with IU, Debo, and Kittle. You got Fred yeah. Warner at defense, Bosa, you know, they're, yeah. they're they can be a very they're like good like it's like it's like the Jets are like the Kmart version of the Niners, in Con- my opinion. Yeah. Like kind the jet, like you, you're like, oh, loaded offense, loaded this, loaded. I'm like, yeah, they're all young, but like, and Elijah, Wilson, Elijah Mitchell Wilson, could definitely help in the run game. Yeah, and it, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree, I agree with you, Jacob. So, what do you, what do you have the Niners going, Jacob? Like 10, 10, 9, 10 wins? I think, like, yeah, like nine. Not bad, Peyton. What, what are your predictions for the NFC West? I have the Cardinals at eight and nine, the Rams at 12 and five, the Seahawks at three and 14, and the Niners at 10 and seven. 10 and 7. All right. That's not bad. So next, all right, we, we're not going to do our division, our playoff predictions for this episode. In our the next both. episode, when we go, no, you're good. When we go live Monday, we're going to give you our playoff predictions, our brackets based on the record predictions that we gave. And when we have Connor back, Connor can give his division predictions as well as the playoffs and hop in with us for that. A few more things I want to get to before we hop off here. Aaron Rodgers, the other day, this was mind-boggling to me. He comes out and he reveals on a podcast that for the last two seasons, he's been taking this psychedelic drug. I believe it's pronounced ayahuasca. I'm not really sure. Called DMT. Okay, well, I guess DMT. How is it DMT if it's ayahuasca? Ayahuasca is like the the plant itself, but the drug. Gotcha, gotcha. The drug is DMT. So he's taking the psychedelic drug, DMT. And he essentially, he was taking it for like mental health reasons, he claims. And then he credits it. With the reason helping him win his back-to-back MVPs, and he credits it for giving him the best season of his career. Jacob, what are your reactions to this? Because when I saw this story, I was—I didn't know what to say. I was just like, he is one of the most eccentric, kind of weird, like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe him anymore. But give me your thoughts on this whole situation of him crediting his seasons for drugs. <laughs> well, <laughs> basically, essentially what he did. Well, Low I key. think probably more than anything in this world, that area really depends on the person that it's being applied to. And I guess for him being that personality that he has had, it just works well for him. You know, there's probably plenty of guys in the league that if you gave whatever you were giving him, 
you know, to them, it could reverse. But for whatever reason, his mind just accepts it and it gives him a mental capability that maybe he felt as though he didn't have prior. Now, people are talking about like the league looking into it. I don't, I mean, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Should they? I mean, if they, if they're like giving promise for marijuana, then you kind of have to though. But like, yeah, I, don't, I, guess. I guess they're kind of like looser on that nowadays than they were a few years ago. But if you recall, yeah, but Josh, Josh, Josh Gordon couldn't play a season without like, that's he, got also, that's also, year. He, was, he was coming onto the field on substances. That's not like he just like took, he DMT was playing. And, yeah. He yeah, was like, playing. Yeah. He was playing like, yeah. Loaded. Yeah. So that it's a high, basically. Yeah. Like yeah, that, that, he was playing I, high I, and like, I don't yeah, know. If, if, go what you're saying. Say what you were saying. Like, 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 if you watch the Joe Rogan podcast at all, which I'm assuming a lot of people do our age, yeah, I do. Joe Rogan is a massive proponent for DMT. So I think it's kind of opened up, you know, like the ability to kind of talk about it. You know what I mean? Whereas like, if it wasn't so much accepted, like, especially in places like California and in the West, um, I think Rogers wouldn't have talked about it, but I think he kind of felt like he had a little bit of a safety net with the way that DMT is viewed kind of in a, like, it's not, it's, it's not like, something that he's doing every single day like it's not like he wakes up and he's smoking dmt as soon as he wakes up like this was a probably a three to four times that he did it in in two years and yeah. he was just talking about the positive effects it had on him i don't really see that big of a deal with it am i surprised not at all i mean this is the one guy that would probably be talking about it if anybody like you said you know super eccentric type of guy um i don't really have an issue with it to be fair i don't i really don't so this is Sorry, I was. I want to ask no. you. Should, should should the NFL like? Because I saw I saw a video talking about like you know announcers now. Like you know we talk about like Joe Buck for ESPN, Tony Romo on CBS. These these kind of guys. Do yeah. broadcasters kind of just ignore this and like act like nothing happened when talking about him playing? Because let's say he oh, comes man. out, he's balling again. He's got 15 touchdowns and like one interception in the first like five weeks. Let's let's say for I, 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 hypothetical. If I mean, if I should, was should, can, should the NFL like ignore it and act like he's not on this stuff, or like what do they do? Well, I, I, you know, to be fair, I don't really think he's taking it in the middle of the season. I don't. If, if, if I was gonna be honest, you know, maybe well, I'm pretty maybe, sure he was. That's what he made it sound like. Maybe once, maybe twice, but again, this drug isn't a like an everyday type of thing. I, I'm hoping, you know, if he was taking DMT every single day for an entire month, he would probably be kind of postal. Um, but. It should announcers leave it alone? I think announcers, it's going to be a great soundbite if he has a great game, and then you you make a DMT joke. It might be good for your career. I'm just so saying, should the NFL should the NFL want like want the NFL like, should leave? I think it's so great. And again, this is Aaron Rodgers we're talking about. This guy's MVP Rodgers. I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. If anybody that can't be touched yeah, is probably Aaron Rodgers. I don't think they yeah. do anything about it, to be honest. Okay, I I, I wouldn't. Makes sense. And I, I, I'm honestly, I mean, I'm of course going to say do nothing, leave him alone. He's Rogers. I don't want him touched. Like that's me. Obviously I'm going to say that, but I, at the end of the day, I do agree with you. It's kind of like a gray area. It's not weed. It's not, you know, it, it, it yeah, kind of all, it really if depends. You, if you're going to fight with one guy and, and the one guy wouldn't want to have a case against is Rogers. Cause I feel like he would take it. 100%. He would take it, you know, all the way. He's not going to be like 100%. Brady where it's like, take the slap on the wrist and just take it. He would fight it. You know what I mean? And yeah, I would yeah. not. I would not want to fight a guy like that on Definitely. something like that. I don't think it's the last. The last thing we're going to get into here, we've covered a bunch of stuff, baseball, football, Peyton. I appreciate also you joining us midway through. I know you had, to, you had to hop on a little bit late, but I'm glad we can get your opinion on this. For the NBA, crazy news. Bill Russell passed away at the age of 88 uh, this past week. I want to just kind of understand, you know, obviously you're a Celtics fan. You know his legacy, that uh, what he meant to Boston, what he meant to the world more than even J Jacob and I would from, you know, being from Mass. 
What does Bill Russell mean to the world as a whole? What legacy is he leaving behind? And what does he mean to the people of Mass, even people of Boston? He means everything because he <clears throat> he fought through adversity and he fought through a lot of awful things. You know, I could bring up a lot of instances, whether it was when he was away and his home got robbed and, and, and vandalized and they literally were smearing human feces on his wall. Yep. Um, and just the treatment that he got from Boston <clears throat> fans was absolutely deplorable and it's nothing to look at and be proud of but it is the truth and it's something that we should talk about um and the amount of rings he won and the amount of adversity he thought he fought through and the way he played the game and the way he didn't let it impact him in a negative way um he just opened up the doors for boston sports you know what i mean just to to play like that under that much scrutiny or scrutiny whatever however you say that word i'm sorry but um he's huge he's absolutely massive again 11 rings World, like just, just like not even as a Celtics guy, I think he opened up basketball as a whole just to be more accepting and more just open to things, you know what I mean? Because of the amount of stuff he went through and the amount of crap he had to deal with to get on the court, like he means everything. And it's, it was a shame to see him pass away. I mean, 88 years old, you know, at least he had a, a good long life, but it was really sad. And again, he means everything to Boston sports and the Celtics, and even more, I think he means a lot to the NBA as a whole. Um, just for changing the narrative and, and trying to help be a more inclusive, accepting environment, you know, for all players, whether that be players of color or, or anybody else, you know what I mean? Anybody with differences, I think Bill Russell was a massive proponent for acceptance. And I think, you know, that's the most important thing that we should remember about Bill Russell is that he went, you know, he he, he suffered a lot for, for the betterment of the league and the betterment of player treatment in general. So wicked yeah. sad to see him pass away, but huge, huge, huge inspiration um, in, 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 NBA history and sports history as a whole. I'm glad you brought up the story about, you know, um, him on a road trip in his house being vandalized because it's important not to talk about, you know, he's the greatest winner of all time in, in sports ever in team sports, you know, that that's obviously his, one of his legacies, but it's important to talk about the off the, off the court stuff and what he did as a, as an activist. He was right in the, the, the thick of it in the civil rights movement. He walked with Martin Luther King. He was there at that press conference when Muhammad Ali announced that he wouldn't be going to, uh, I believe it was the Vietnam war. If I'm not mistaken, that's what it was. Yep. Um, he was at that. He was at, he, he got uh, back then he was Lou Alcindor. He got Lou Alcindor to attend that press conference with him. Um, and he was just there for all those iconic moments. Like he was right there in the thick of it in the civil rights movement. So much of an impact off the, off the court. He was awarded the medal of freedom by Barack Obama in 2011. You know, he was the first ever African-American black head coach. He won two titles as a player coach. He was a player and a coach for the Celtics in 68 and 69. I mean, he just, he embodied everything you wanted in a, in a person and a player. And he, even in an interview once he said, I, I don't, I'm not trying to be, you know, Bill, like I, I, my goal is not to be like the greatest basketball player of all time, Bill Russell. He goes, I'm just a man. Like he, he, he wanted, he just wanted to be a man that lived a fulfilling life. And we can all say he did that hundred percent. Jacob, what do you, what will you remember him most for? What should he be remembered most for? Is, is it his on the court winning or is it his off the court, you know, activism being a part of the civil rights movement and just him as a person? Well, I think a huge thing too, that wasn't really specifically mentioned, you know, along with like the off the court civil rights aspect. There's also the fact that 1950s, 1960s, I mean, there had been almost no black superstar athletes, period, because baseball was pretty much the only really popular sport. The NBA had not taken off yet. Hockey wasn't huge. The NFL was not even the NFL. So all there really was was baseball and a bunch of white guys playing baseball. 
And then Bill Russell comes in and he was truly, you know, Jackie Robinson may have been the first black player, but Bill Russell was probably the first black sports icon. I mean, he was the best player in a league. And I'm not trying to take away from guys like Jackie that broke the barrier or whatnot, but there's a difference between being a player in a league and being a perennial all-star and slash MVP slash world champion, which is what Bill Russell was. So he really set a platform to then integrate sports to a point where, look, not only are we going to mix, you know, the colors within the league, but these guys are also going to be not only in the league, but they're going to run the league. So, you know, like that was, I think that's a huge thing that, you know, he, a lot of guys would give him credit for and would acknowledge that he was really, you know, the first superstar, you know, to come in and, and transcend everything. And he also, he also, um, he helped in like the, in, in desegregating uh, schools in, in Boston as well. So he was just, it's another example of the activism they did off the court. There were stories that I was hearing though, just to close out this conversation in the show itself, but there were stories that I heard from guys like Kendrick Perkins when he was with the Celtics and Bill Russell was at one of the practices. Perkins walked up to him and said, Hey, can you like, can you sign this basketball? I want to get a signature. And Bill Russell was known for never giving signatures out. He wasn't that kind of guy. And Bill Russell looked at Kendrick Perkins and said, no, I won't sign the ball, but you know what I'll do? I'll give you my phone number. We can have like a relationship to like relationship with each other. And Kendrick Perkins was like, nah, man, I'm good. I don't really want your phone number. Like I want the signature on the ball, but he was that kind of person. The whole point of the story is showing that Bill was a much more intimate person that he wanted to have a personal relationship with you. He wanted to get to know you. He was interested in actually like being like genuinely interested in being with people and wanting to get to know them and spending time with them and having genuine connections. That's something that I can just, just the person Bill Russell, not even the player and the activist, but the person, the man, he was just an amazing human being. He accomplished so much and he will be one of those guys that is severely missed. Magic Johnson even brought up the point that the NBA should retire the number six and let nobody ever wear it again. And it's interesting because LeBron, LeBron's number right now is six. Do you guys think they should retire number six? Do you yes. agree with Magic Johnson? Yes. I agree with the points you made too, where it's like, this guy was the best winner of all time. What are we going to remember him for though? His personality, who he was as a person, his who he was. That yeah. That's, you know, if you have somebody that's that good and broke a barrier, like Jacob said, and really opened the gates for all these guys to come through and dominate in the league. And the thing, the things we're talking about aren't even what he was doing on the court. I mean, I don't think there's any guy that, that, that deserves it more. You know what I mean? Personally, yeah. uh, you know, and, and again, I get LeBron's wearing the number right now. And there's a lot of guys that might want six, but I agree with magic. I think they should retire. Jacob, you, do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things. It's like, I don't, how could you sit there and like have a problem with it? And I, yeah, don't, I don't really yeah. think anyone would. So I think, I think there's definitely enough reason to. It's so. just a matter of will, will they or not. They, the other story, Peyton, the last, again, I keep saying the last thing, but there's something that's popped into my head. The moment on stage when all the, when, when Dikembe, Hakeem and Shaq and all those centers were on stage and Bill Russell points at every single one of them and goes, I would kick your ass. And then he has that like cackle with the laugh, like just like stuff like that moment right there. It's like that encapsulates what, like who he is and just like everything about him. It's like, he was not a trash talker. He never talked highly of himself. He didn't do that. But that moment right there, honestly, now that I said it is probably my, like my favorite moment of Bill Russell of seeing him like live during like a, during, during an event or something, him pointing at Shaq and all of these dominant centers, guys who are top five, top 10 players of all time. And saying to like every single one of them, like his, he has his cane, his old guy, like that's just, that's just what it, you know what I mean? That's just what Bill Russell is. Like it encaps, encapsulates who he is, but 
yeah, definitely going to miss him. He's a, a pioneer and an icon in the sports world and the basketball world. And yeah, that's going to wrap up our show. That was all we had for you guys today. I do want to say, make sure you guys go follow us on Instagram at TCHT underscore podcast. We'll be posting all notifications as to when our episodes go out on Spotify. Our spot, We're on Spotify as well, The Cold Hard Truth. You can go on there, listen to all 41 of our episodes. You can give us a rating, follow us, share, like, all that different stuff. And yeah, just uh, give us some support. We appreciate you guys listening once again. Thank you. We'll see you guys next time.